Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Give me while I swap these. You know you're getting up into a certain age when you've got to change your glasses to read your notes. <laughs> Trouble is now you're all just that little bit out of focus when I look up. But it's all good. <laughs> um, well, I took the opportunity to, to preach and speak to you guys today. I was given the date, um, and I said, yeah, I can do that date, that's fine. I didn't know what it was. And then um, they said, oh, I asked, you know, what subject is it? And they said, oh, we're carrying on with the Bridge Over uh, Troubled Waters series. And they said, and it's on confrontation. Great. My first thought was actually, oh, good. I'm actually rather good at that. (laughs) I realised as I've looked into this, that's maybe, maybe not such a good thing. (laughs) So anyway, as it is, let's just have a look at what we've uh, looked at this morning. Um... So we heard from the passages that we read that uh, there's people being confronted with things and full-on confrontations. The story started with Jesus stating to his disciples what was about to happen. That he must go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer at the hands of the priests and the teachers of the law. Probably not such an unusual occurrence if you're hanging around Jesus, let's face it. He always seemed to be suffering in some way at the hands of the teachers and the preachers of the law. Um, but this time was a bit different. You see, this time he said that he was going to be killed. Now, of course, he did also say that on the third day he would be raised to life. But as so often, when we're confronted with a block of information, don't you know, we go straight for the difficult bit. <laughs> The bit we don't like and the bit that upsets us. And to be fair, maybe we can forgive Peter because, you know, finding out one of your mates is going to suffer and die is never a good thing, for sure. So, Peter, probably well-meaning, he confronts Jesus and he says, this will never happen to you. Peter surely meant no harm and only wanted to encourage his troubled friend. But in doing so... He kind of puts both feet in his mouth. The first foot, metaphorically speaking anyway, was because, frankly, he was wrong. He spoke with conviction and some authority to convince his friend that this awful thing wouldn't happen. How important is us to be sure of the facts if we have to confront somebody? We need to be sure of what's going on and that uh, our way is not necessarily how it's going to be. Uh, There is a way that seems right to us, but if we're only speaking on half-knowledge or wishful thinking, instead of confronting that person, helping them, we can end up adding to their stress and their troubles and their problems. The second metaphorical foot that Peter puts in his mouth is revealed by Jesus' response. Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Peter had confronted from his perspective. Again, it's an important lesson for us. When we feel we need to confront somebody with what we perceive as needing our input, as so often we do, do we have the full picture? Do we have a right perspective and do we possess all of the facts? If not, maybe we should just keep quiet, at least for the time being. 
Matthew 7, 3 says, uh, Why do you look at a speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to a plank that's in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? If we need to confront someone, and sometimes that will, we will need to, we need to make sure that we are seeing clearly, with the right perspective, and not clouded by the things that maybe we're going through, or our experiences can be clouded by, you know, other, other things, just things we're carrying. We need to have a good perspective. We must have the other person's best interests at heart. And we need to make sure that we have a godly perspective. In Galatians 6, it would read, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Or in other words, we might want to say, if you're going to confront somebody, then those who are prepared to do it as God's way should do it. <laughs> Just to be blunt. Uh, are we led by the Spirit when we confront someone, or are we being led by our motivations? It's something we need to be aware of. And again in Matthew 18 it says, If your brother or sister sins, go and point out a fault just between the two of you. Again, how much easier it is for us to receive a word of correction or a criticism or a point from somebody else if we're not in a crowd with everyone looking. Because when that happens, our guard comes up, we can become really defensive um, and things can turn sour very quickly. We might feel the need to defend our position and it just kicks off. Um, The environment and timing of when we confront anybody is actually very important. Jesus says in Mark 12.30, when Jesus was asked which are the most important commandments, he replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbour As yourself, there is no commandment greater than these. This means that when we confront, we have to do it in gentleness and kindness and in love. Treating the other person whom we are confronting in the same way we would want to be treated. Then we get to verse 24, where Jesus talks about picking picking up his cross. We'll come back to that in a little bit. As the story continues, uh, we see Jesus confront Peter with information that is from a right perspective, factually correct, and for his own good. Jesus tells Peter that Satan wants to sift him as wheat. Basically, Satan wants to crush Peter until only the rubbish is left. No surprise that Satan would choose to confront Peter at a time when he is most vulnerable. And uh, we learn from his response that uh, he didn't really uh, accept it. The one person he could trust most in the world to be have his best interests at heart, and um, he, he just doesn't accept it. He can't get it. Um, we... Uh, Someone mentioned at Cafe Church yesterday, we discussed this at Cafe Church, and um, what somebody brought up is that when it comes to a response, our response is, uh, is something that we have to learn. 
it's something that we can't just prepare for in, in the middle of the firefight, as it were, when you're being confronted in these difficult times. It's something we need to practice, <laughs> something we need to get in the habit of and learn Jesus' way in, in all the time in our lives, in the little things. And then when difficult times come and things we going to find difficult, then we're going to react in a good and right way, like a, a, a muscle memory type response. I think it's probably a fact that the view we have ourselves is different to the view that others have of us very often. And probably why confrontation can so often lead to full-on conflict. Peter's response was that he would go to prison and death for him. He was clearly devoted to Jesus and he believed he would stand by Jesus no matter what. The next thing we see is the biggest confrontation of all. That which Jesus had said would happen. Jesus and his disciples disciples were confronted by a crowd to seize Jesus and lead, led by one of our own. They're going to feel betrayed and hurt. And as much as Jesus wasn't looking forward to what he was about to suffer, he knew what needed to happen for the greater good. To save us from the penalty of the wrong things that we'd done, Jesus knew that it was time for him to pick up his cross. But Peter didn't get it. He takes his sword, we, we, we find out that it's Peter if we read the account in John, and in an act of, and I don't know what to write there, I didn't know what to write there, what was an act of? But in whatever act it was, he took the sword and cut off the servants of the high priest here. I don't know what act it was, was it an act of bravery? Loyalty? Anger? I don't. I honestly couldn't tell you what it was. I think so many things possibly apply, and I think it's kind of makes a good point that I didn't know what to write there because when we come to a point of confrontation and it builds up and it builds up and, and full-on conflict and you know and it's to and froing and backwards and forwards, I think so many things can rise up and come to bear to the point where each individual bit can almost contradict each other. We get overwhelmed. I think this is why these confrontations can be sour. You know, often a confrontation is a bad thing. Often it could be a good thing. But in this case, he reacts in a way that is uh, overwhelming. It does seem, however, that Simon was prepared to die and go to prison for Jesus after all, in the fact that he took his sword and slashed at the, the, the servant. But, of course, Peter was still operating from his own perspective. As Peter failed to realise what Jesus had told him earlier, and that this would, was going to happen, and frankly that it had to happen. Jesus heals the servants here, and then, as to shed light on their motives, tells them some facts. The fact that they had confront, they'd confronted him like a dangerous criminal when he'd always been among them peacefully and amongst the, in the temple courts and he'd only been teaching and healing and generally doing good things. Isn't it just the way, though, sometimes that when people confront us, they will confront us in a way that almost creates the narrative to justify their position in the first place? 
and it might not be where you're at. Often when people confront you or others around you, it's not in your best interest. We can find ourselves accused with twisted half-truths and sometimes just plain lies. And yes, this can be very hurtful. And since it can have such a devastating consequences, let's make sure that we never get sucked into that mob mentality where an echo chamber of words can convince us to accuse or confront somebody who doesn't deserve it. I've seen this happen in the workplace um, as a prime example. Um, I can think of one occasion many, many years ago where a group of disgruntled employees chunted away amongst themselves and decided that someone needed to be confronted. Of course, they roped somebody in to do it. (laughs) Probably the person who felt least strongly about it and uh, justified it by the fact that it would be better coming from you (laughs) and that we'll be right behind you. Well, that poor person goes forward. They do their best to explain what's been said and say, well, all these people are saying this. And then the person who's received it then feels ganged up upon. So they can't receive it. Um, then the person who's been uh, elected to go up is on the firing line and all those people who are right behind you were right behind them, way, 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 way back and slowly disappearing into the, into the woodwork. And uh, it does happen. Um, better to take the lead from what Jesus did and dare to tell the crowd the facts. Whether it's in defence of ourselves or others, so long as we are confronting with truth and in love, with good intentions and to build up and not to tear down. And then as the story goes on, we finally see that Peter was alone and frightened, and yet still he continues to be confronted. Peter is confronted with by a woman who says this man was with him and then later oh his response is I don't know him and then later yes you are one of them and then later again certainly this fellow was with him for he's Galilean and then as the rooster crows three times Jesus looks directly at him and Peter is confronted with the truth of what he's done and it says he wept bitterly now I said the verse 24, I said we'd come back to it. The verse 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. How should we react when we are confronted? Things in life will come at us. We are living at a time where we are going to be increasingly confronted about being a follower of Jesus. The more we hold on to what we describe as Christian values and the more society seems to move further away from that position, the more we will find ourselves confronted by others on our position and what we believe and what we stand for. Even within the global church, We've seen that, you know, around the world, some churches have moved their position. Churches have been confronted by those who say that things like they're out of touch or old-fashioned or intolerant or something else. And as a result, have diluted what they stand for 
uh, and changed even, you know, doctrine. When the difficult confrontations come, what are we going to say in response? Will we answer like Peter, I don't know what you're talking about? Or stick with stating the facts, even if it means we suffer the consequences for that? And what about when it's more personal than that? In the workplace, in our family, or even one of the congregation here, in, in one of your friends in Dorchester Community Church. How do, how do we respond to that? Do we get offended and, to, and get into a confrontation? When we are, are confronted, it can be very challenging. It does challenge us, and this is why it can be very different. It can feel like a personal attack. It can force us to confront ourselves and something in us that maybe we don't feel comfortable admitting about ourselves. And worst of all, it might force us to change our mind or opinion. And if you're like me, you'll come kicking and screaming on that one. (laughs) Um, You see, if we've picked up our cross and we follow Jesus... It means we've laid our life down. We can no longer necessarily cling to ourselves. If we have picked up a cross, it means we are to follow Jesus, even if it's unto death. That's a scary thought. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live In the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do we have the right to get offended and be like, well, you don't know what he said to me. (laughs) And then we start sharing our story with anyone and anybody who will listen to it. And then we start rehearsing the hurt and then we live in that place. We can't live in that place. Satan comes to kill and steal and destroy. And we must make sure that we don't do his work for him and, and, and do it to ourselves or others or allow him to manipulate us. Since we've laid down our lives, why not practice at having an attitude of it's not my life that's being confronted? If we're a follower of Jesus then we're now a new creation and the old is gone and the new has come. And if we are confronted by something that is bad about ourselves, why not say, great, this is an opportunity for me to rid myself of something that isn't part of the new me. It's it's part of the old dead part. We can embrace it. If the confrontation, uh, sorry, if the opportunity, <laughs> sorry, say that again. If the confrontation is unfounded because you are living a new life as a follower of Jesus, then maybe we can rejoice in that also. I know when I came to faith, I lost a lot of friends. <laughs> it's quite ironic, really, because when I was doing all the bad stuff, they were all my friends. <laughs> But sometimes when you start doing the good stuff, you lose people. So if we're going to be confronted for doing the good stuff, then let's just think fantastic. You know, we are changing. God is changing me. That's something to celebrate. 
And then if we're confronted by something, even if it's unfair, our identity as a follower of Jesus doesn't necessarily give us the right to hold on to ourselves if we are holding on to Jesus. Yes, we can state the facts and defend ourselves, but maybe just leave it there. We don't have to take on the hurt of the confrontation. We can choose to not have that. We can give that to Jesus because he owns us now. We need to know who we are in Christ in order to respond to confrontation in the right way. And maybe the person who is confronting you is only doing it as they don't yet realise who they are or what they could become in Christ anyway. Our response can help or hinder them. Even if you can't get to common ground, agreeing shouldn't be necessarily your goal. We don't have to change the other person, but if we, we react in a, in a peaceful way, there is a chance that you can stop that confrontation turning into full-on conflict. Um, do we react the same as the world, or do we demonstrate that we are different, that we are Christ's ambassadors? So that even if we are right, we can just be wronged and carry on without being hurt. Now... This is hard stuff to live out. I get that. <laughs> but it's only, it's only really, really hard when we continue to hang on to ourselves. And I think that's the challenge here. It's an important choice to make because our lives are no longer on their own. They were bought at a price. I don't want to look back one day at my life and be confronted with how I missed it and how my actions and my behaviour led me to deny Christ. Maybe not in the blatant way that Peter did it, but if I don't submit to what he would have me do and how he would have me behave, then I end up misrepresenting him. And I effectively deny him to others who might see him through me. And I become the stumbling block to other people. I don't want to be weeping bitter tears when I realise that one day. And the Bible does it says that if we love him, we will obey him. This is tough stuff. I get it. I'm not there yet. On a good day, I'm there. On a bad day, not so much. <laughs> but I know what the Bible says. So I have to, have to, have to work towards that in relationship with Jesus. Thank God he's merciful and forgiving and loving, right? So then, now see, if we have had a confrontation... That has led to a fractured or broken relationship. Maybe something that has, we, we have lived with for such a long time that we've just got used to it. Maybe it's time to look at it again. I'm well aware that's not always the case. That's not always possible. The Bible says that we should live in peace with people so long as it's up to us. It might not be always in your power or up to you. I recognise that. But maybe it would be a time to confront them again, if it's possible. Not to relive it, but so far as it depends on you, to put out an olive branch of peace. It may or may not be accepted. Matthew 5, uh, it says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar... 
And there, remember that your brother or your sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. And then come and offer your gift. It's a tough thing, isn't it? But even before we come to God, (laughs) God's saying we need to at least attempt to make peace. And I would, and I'd just reiterate, so long as it's within your power. Uh, In that statement, note that it says, if your brother has something against you, doesn't have to be your fault. That's a toughie, isn't it? (laughs) Got to go make peace with someone when you've not done anything wrong. But that's what it says. And, uh, And why not? You see, if restoration was open to Peter when he denied Jesus, maybe, maybe we should consider giving an opportunity of restoration or at least making peace with the other person, if it's possible. It's definitely something we, at the very least, need to pray about. Um, We don't want confrontation to become conflict much better if we can turn it around and make it become a reconciliation if it's something that's already happened. So it's something to think about. Pray. Pray on it. Choose the right time for both of you. <laughs> you might be ready to make peace, they might not. Or they, you know, you've got to be, pick the right time carefully if you're going to do that. And even if it's only 1% your fault, Confess your part in it. You know, just apologise for that 1%. It says in James 1.9, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And maybe if we can adopt that as a guide to dealing with some, you know, fractured relationships, confrontations, and, and outright kind of almost warfare, we can bring these situations to a point where they start to reflect or at least our part in it reflects what God's word would say we would have he would have us do and that as they say is that let's just pray on that shall we just to say heavenly father lord we all recognize that we're not always perfect but father i just pray lord that you will help us to live in peace with people as much as we are able to do, Lord. And largely, Lord, may you protect our hearts when it's nothing more that we can do and it's happened and it's done. Well, we may feel sad about it and it's natural to do that, Lord. May we just understand our identity in you, that you have us and you don't want us to live in a place of hurt. And we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.